I knew no matter what they did, I was leaving. So, and I actually was kind enough because of the type of role that it was. I gave a three week notice. And I'm telling you that first week, the president was in my job, in my office every day, trying to figure out what, you know, giving me more money. And to be honest, I was offended because I kept, because <laughs> I was like, dude, and it wasn't just a little bit of money that I left for. It was a substantial amount of money because this was 15 years ago and it was $15,000 a, a year, you know, and he offered that. And I thought, if I was worth that, why weren't you paying me that this whole time? Job hunting. It's the one thing we're never taught as we enter the adult world. Gone are the days of knocking on doors and simply getting a job based on a firm handshake, asking to speak to the hiring manager, and making a good first impression. Today's job hunt has more resources and more opportunities than ever before, but there's no roadmap to ensure that you don't lose your way or your mind when navigating today's complex job market. Welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm your host and guide, Rob Conlon, and this podcast is for anyone who is frustrated with the current job hunt and looking for guidance as to what to do next to find a new or better job. We're on a mission to educate as many job seekers as possible on how to improve their work life, and since its inception, this show has helped find and secure more than $1.5 million in salaries and benefits for our listeners at new jobs that they love. So please, come and step into my studio and let's teach you how to get out of the hell that is your job hunt. Hello and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. Today's topic is one of the toughest to quantify because it will be different for every person. Leaving a job you're at for a new opportunity. As human beings, we're really resistant to change, especially if we're comfortable. And comfort is sometimes a subjective term, though the reality may be that we're simply used to the discomfort that we're experiencing with our current situation. This leads to the quandary of, when are you overly comfortable and when does it make sense to move a career and find something new that may make you uncomfortable at first? So this brings us to a number of big questions to answer today. Number one, to start, how and when should you be looking for a new position? Number two, when is the right time to leave a position once you've found something new? Number three, what steps can you take to ace your exit interview? Number four, what do you do if your company counter offers? Number five, managing your reputation post-departure with your new company and with your old one. Now today, to answer these questions, we are joined by Barb Walla. Barb is one of our prior early guests and is returning here to the show today because of her knowledge about offers and counter offers. Barb is the owner of BW Executive Coaching, and Barb, it is great to have you here on the show. Thanks for coming back, and you join a super exclusive club of people who have been on the show more than once. Wow. How many of us are there? Like, you say exclusive, but how many? There are two. You oh, are the okay. third. So it is, it is exclusive. quite exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So this episode is going to be a little bit more linear, Barb, than most of our episodes, but I think I may throw a few curveballs in there for you. So if you're, if you're ready... Should we I'm, jump in? I'm ready. So starting off with the one that I think folks might be able to sort of almost predict the answer on, but let's go a little deeper. 
how and when should someone start looking for a new position, Barb? They should start looking for a new position when they're not comfortable where they are, which I think that I've been in certain positions where you feel like if I stay, I know I can do this. I just, you know, and it'll help the company. You get to the point where there's only so much you can do for the company because it's not your company at the end of the day. Uh. Loyalty is great, but if you keep running into walls, sometimes you just need to move the wall. I like that. I like that a lot. Move the wall. Leave the building. So, yeah. And, you know, honestly, we used to always tell everybody they were more marketable when they had a job, you know, when you were working. But honestly, with the pandemic and people losing their positions, and when I look at resumes now, it doesn't even matter to me if you're not working. That is refreshing to hear, actually. I was going to ask you as a, as a follow-up, but you already answered it. You know, it doesn't help to have a job when looking for a job. And I would say it can't hurt, perhaps. But what you're, what you're telling me now is it almost doesn't matter anymore because we've been through, through such a shift. Yeah. And I think you need to leave before you're feeling too desperate and you look desperate when you're interviewing, um, you know, for other positions. You, you don't want to look desperate. It it. It, it, there's a lot more to interviewing than just answering the questions that the person is asking you and to not, to have them not feel that desperation. Like, you know, you just can't wait to get out of that place. That's never a good thing. Sure. So how would we perhaps go about, you know, networking or maybe finding your interviewing with a new job without looking desperate? What, what can we do to kind of cover that up if it's present or avoid it from showing up in the first place? Yeah. So if you have the opportunity to network from where it is that you're currently working, so if you have some networking groups that you can join or different things like that, that's fantastic because mm. networking is all about building the relationships. You should never, it's like having friendships. You don't build friendships because you're thinking about, oh, I wonder what they can give me. You don't want to network with people in relationships thinking, what are they going to be able to give me? So if you can do that while you're at work now, I was in a position a couple of years ago where I wasn't able to network. I couldn't do things on my lunch hours, whatever. So I had to purposely like take vacation days and time off so that I could start building my networking groups, knowing full well I was going to want to have those relationships with people when I left my nine to five job. Interesting. Okay. And that Man, you, you are intercepting the follow-ups here. It's perfect. It's great. No, don't don't feel like that's a bad thing. But I think keeping your employer from knowing is something that a lot of people really are like, ooh, I have to be super careful. You know, we all know don't job hunt on company equipment or on company time or anything like that. But sometimes, you know, you're on LinkedIn. How does that translate into being careful to not tip your hand to your current employer? Well, it depends. Are you on LinkedIn messaging people or are you on LinkedIn and you put the little circle in your profile that you want to be hired? Good point. Or <laughs> you can change your about in your LinkedIn to say, you know, looking for a new position, which right. I would not recommend unless you're currently not working or you don't care if your employer notices. So. Gotcha. So you should keep it hidden, obviously, but if... I know LinkedIn in particular, they they try to keep it separate, but they, they like have a little caveat there that says like, 
we're going to try and keep your job search separate, but we can't promise anything. So I think that that's really a, probably a pitfall for folks to be like, if you're going to be on LinkedIn and you're looking for a new job, you know, go nuts with the job board, whatever it might be. But if you're making those connections, be careful because people talk mm -hmm. and things get back to connections and things like that, which is wild. One other quick point I want to touch on here, Barb, is, you know, you mentioned that you were taking like personal and vacation time for networking. Does that make sense for interviews too? Mm -hmm. Is is that something where you would you would keep a reservoir of, of time? Yeah, unless people want to talk in the morning. So like currently okay. right now for some of the consulting jobs that I have for companies, mm -hmm. I interview people early in the morning or I'll do after four, you know, because okay. that's, if people are working, you kind of have to, and phone interviews generally are only about a half hour if they actually sure. want to meet somebody. So and generally, I'm not the person that they want to meet. I'll do a longer Zoom call for certain positions. But if they're going to meet somebody on site, it's always after work. So Okay. And you can easily do that. Sure. Yeah. And, then, you know, it's one of those things, how do you fit it into life? But sometimes you have to make the time. You know, it's uh, the difference between cooking dinner and maybe McDonald's for everybody on the way home. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's always well, and good. It's, and then again, it's like, how uncomfortable are you? Do you want to make that time to do that? Or do you want to sit in a job where you're not happy and you're making other people not happy like your family <laughs> when's the right time to leave a job barb it depends why you're thinking of leaving so and i can give you some examples of some of the companies that i've worked with that people haven't had performance reviews for a few years they haven't had raises for a few years so then they ask me to come in and could i do like a survey like an employee engagement and I start to do it and, you know, my sixth person is in the little conference room that they gave me and I find out that they haven't, they've been there for five years. They've never had anybody talk to them about a performance Whoa. review or any of that. So, so for example, if that person was going to go find a different job, go find a different job. You've been there for five years. Nobody's talked to you. But if you're someone who gets an annual performance review, you really like where you're working and some things have changed over the years and you feel like maybe the person who's giving you the review doesn't understand that and what you tell them is actually going to matter, then by all means, wait wait till your performance review. Or if you're feeling desperate, ask them if they can move it up. Got it. Now, so. counterpoint to that perhaps, what what if your company doesn't do like merit raises and things like that? I know there's a lot of companies out there that, that won't do that anymore. And I actually worked for one a number of years ago and I thought that was an absolute crock when they stopped rewarding going above and beyond. And, and so, I, you know, you're correct in the fact that, you know, you can talk to a manager at any point in time, but what do you do if their hands are tied? If you enjoy what you do so much that you don't mind not getting a raise and staying at that, fine. I will say one of the companies that I worked for, nobody got raises, but they did get bonuses. Okay. So the owner just decided he was keeping it at... This is what you're at. If you want to make more, here's some things, you know, this is the bonus structure and you can get a bonus for that. So always knowing there was a way to make more money each year kept, you know, kept people there, there and they were okay with that. But it's not always just about the money. It's about feeling like people are listening to you as well. Yeah. So. Definitely. And, I, and I, a lot of times it is about the money. <laughs> <laughs> it can be. And, and sometimes it should be about the money. And I, but I think it's a great, mm -hmm. great point you made about alternative compensation. You know, you might be making $15, $28 an hour, whatever it might be. But if there's a way that things can stack on top and you can achieve that regularly, 
I think that that adds almost a, a little bit of an anchor, perhaps, to where you should be. But mm-hmm. it has to definitely be weighed against everything else, you know. Eight bucks an hour plus the opportunity for a thousand dollar bonus every month versus, I don't know, you know, thirteen bucks an hour. Which is the better? And with no bonus, which is the better job? Good question, and that'll be up to each person. Uh, and I think that you know, let's pretend we're leaving. Let's pretend that we're taking that thirteen dollar an hour job or whatever it is. We're gonna pull the trigger. You pretend you've you've decided to do that, and your employer just hasn't said, "Okay, fine, see ya." You know, they haven't terminated you immediately and walked you out the door. Let's say they want an exit interview, Barb. What should we be doing to prepare to really make this exit interview the best opportunity for us and to maybe, I don't know, impact the way things are at this company that we're leaving? If you know, for example, a couple of the places that I left because I had seen others leave and they had their exit interviews and absolutely nothing was done with what they said. If you know that nothing's going to be done with it to help your fellow, you know, co-workers that you're leaving behind, I, I, I wouldn't worry too much about acing it. If, especially because are you concerned about the relationship because you might potentially want to go back to work there someday? I'm doubting it if you're, you know, but if you do think maybe you want to go back there someday and they do listen to their employees find out if they have an exit interview because a lot of places don't even do that right if you can have the questions ahead of time Mm, good question there's no reason that they can't give the questions ahead of time so that you can look at them because then you can decide which ones you want to answer and which ones you don't because there's nothing more awkward than sitting there you're leaving and they start asking you questions and you say things you probably shouldn't say that could be damaging Or if you would have had the questions ahead of time, you could be like, nope, just not going to say that. (laughs) I'm going to say that to somebody else, but I'm not going to say that to them. Sure thing. And I think that the, there's probably a really nice little follow-up that dovetails into that of like, you're in this exit interview. How honest should you be? If, if this company takes feedback Mm -hmm. and implement, tries to implement at least any part of it, how honest should you be about your experience working there? You know, should you sugarcoat it? Should you, what I call kind versus nice, you know, nice is being, oh yeah, I had a great time here. Whereas kind is, you know, I had a strong experience here, but you know, your manager in the, in XYZ position, that person is what's causing me to leave. You know, which do you think is, is best or which is best for folks when it comes to an exit interview? To be kind. I, I don't know what good it does anybody to be nice. You know? Really? Well, that is not the answer why, I was expecting from you. Why Why are you going to sugarcoat it? Well, I was thinking burning bridges. You know, it's one of those things where yeah. if you are in a company, I'm, I'm envisioning you, you know, you obviously don't unload on people with, you know, coarse language or anything like that. But calling something right. out, you know, I could see that being professionally damaging. But I think that it's really interesting that you're... You're taking a slightly different view on that. Please go on. Not the way, not the way that you just stated it, though. Just say, you know, I I did really well, and I will refer to one of my brothers who calls it verbal judo. You always start with the good stuff, and just tell them, you know, I've been here for the last three years. These things happened, and list all the good things, and just say, I just want to be very honest with you. Um, you know, this person 
and just t tell them a couple things, but make sure you're telling them things from your experience, not things you've heard. There's a critical piece right there. Correct. Your own experience. Yeah, it's going to have more weight. Sure. And here's the other thing. I don't ever think you're telling them things they don't already know. If they're, if they're managing people or higher up, unless somehow they got the job, I don't know how, they're smart enough that they probably see what's going on. And if they hear it and then they've got that like in their head, then they start noticing it more. It's just what happens. You know? I, that Barb, that, that answer surprised the living daylights <laughs> out of me because I, I really did not think you were going to go that path. And that, I think that's a wonderful thing. And you mentioned verbal judo, which is what you, you said your brother yeah. calls it. I believe that's the name yeah. of a book as well. And I've, oh, I've it? read that book. Yes, it is. It's actually a, uh, name of a okay. book and listeners, if you're if you're looking for something to help your communication, Verbal Judo, awesome book, you can grab it on Amazon or whatever. You know, we don't have a, any deals with them or anything like that. But <laughs> I read it at one point in time. It was really quite good. But that's, yeah. I'm betting he probably read it too. Well, case. I'm just telling you, he he is a retired police chief. It's big in those circles, I recall that. Correct. Yep. So that's, yeah. Yep, super, super great book for, for learning how to talk to people. All right, yeah. so we've been kind in our exit interview we've, we've spoken some truths we've made it made sure that they're from our experience not from hearsay or things like that all right here's the one thing that i think i probably made a mistake with in my career and i want to see if, if i did this right or not so what happens if you get presented with an nda or a non-compete and for those of you who don't know what an nda is non-disclosure agreement it's a legal piece of documentation that you'd sign to not share company secrets or or company proprietary information in this case so barb go ahead what happens if you're given this piece of paper and like sign this well i'm going to be honest with you the only companies that i've ever worked for that we've done that that's part of when you're hired hmm. you sign that that's not something that was given after you give your resignation interesting so you have, you've, you've already done it. And so then a copy of that was given to you when you left. And usually the non-competes are really for sales if you're doing sales and marketing sure. so that you know that you've had those and you have, you have customers, you know, that you could potentially take with you or something. And I think in every state, probably not California because everything's different in California, right. you... They legally can't make you sign in California, but when you start, which is, see, that's the good time to get you because you're excited because it's a new job yeah. and you're there and you're like, well, this is a non-compete. Why do I care? And you sign it. And then when you leave, we would then give you a copy of it and just say, as a reminder, you know, for a year. Right. So, so and actually that's a really good thing to, to have folks look out for going into their new job as well. So great point Correct. there. I had one presented to me because I was getting severance. If I look back on it, and I don't want to speak too poorly about the folks who presented it to me, I don't want to speak poorly about them at all, actually. Uh, I think if, if given the other chance, I might have declined signing it. I think I might have, because I think it it was nice to have some security in that severance, but part of me says, you know what, I should have just gone to the competitor. Hey, listeners, we're going to take a quick break here for some of the business side of running a podcast. These sponsors not only believe in this show, but they may have a product, service, or even an open position that can help you end your job hunt. Give them a listen and drop by their websites in thanks for their help in supporting this show and your work search. 
As the host of a podcast about job hunting, I know that my listeners need to make their resumes stand out. I can tell them great things that will increase their chances of getting an interview, but sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words. I'm Rob Conlon, host of Recruiting Hell, and my friends at MyCareerSnapshot.com have what might possibly be one of the best add-ons to what you send companies to help you get hired. With My Career Snapshot's Next Gig platform, you'll have a beautifully, professionally designed career summary to make your application stand out. It takes just minutes to get your snapshot ordered. Delivery is prompt and revisions are a snap. I loved my snapshot. It let me put what was important to me, about me, on paper. And the designers even went so far as to do the research on the awards that I've won and included wireframe mock-ups of those logos so my achievements really popped. Looking for a great investment in your resume that showcases more than words ever could? Look to MyCareerSnapshot.com and be sure to tell them Rob sent you. Use code HELL22 for up to $70 off your order at MyCareerSnapshot.com. Again, that's MyCareerSnapshot.com, code HELL22. We're back. A big thank you to our sponsors for their offerings, as well as you for considering them. On with the show. And not have been loyal to that, that organization. So that, that was a real interesting thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said, you know, that's a little bit odd to have it at the end, but if you're dealing with severance, perhaps that's normal. And I, I love that you said, you know, you don't have to sign those, especially if you've turned in your two weeks or whatever it might be, or said, hey, Friday's my last day. I think that that's awesome. And, you know, sometimes I feel, feel like people are very coerced into signing those. So, you know, job seekers who are listening right now, you know, you don't always have to sign that stuff. You know, definitely take it to somebody you trust. And the thing is, you can, you can call an attorney. 15-minute consult, right? Yeah, and pay, a half, you know, for a half hour sure. of their time. Just so they can make you feel yeah, better about it. Yeah, definitely. You know. Okay, so we've gotten out of the exit interview, through the exit interview. We're getting to the back half, and this is one of my favorite questions that I've had lined up today. <laughs> so let's pretend for a moment, Barb, you turned in your resignation, and your your boss goes, oh, no, this isn't happening. This is not happening. No, 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 no. Let me, let me make you a better offer, things like that. What do you do if your company makes a offer to retain you? You need to figure that out ahead of time before you actually hand okay. the letter. So, always a conversation to have with whomever. Someone in your family, whoever it is that you're close to, just, you know, the person who's been listening to you this whole time, complaining <laughs> about work, and then just say, if I, you know, if I give notice and they, you know, want to retain me and they offer this much money, what do you think? Because... They've heard you for the last six months or a year or however it's long, so they, they can try to help you with that advice. So I've had this happen two, two ways. Really? Okay. Where I knew no matter what they did, I was leaving. So, And I actually was kind enough because of the type of role that it was. I gave a three-week notice, and I'm telling you that first week, the president was in my job, in my office every day wow trying to figure out what you know giving me more money and to be honest i was offended because i kept because <laughs> i was like dude 
And it wasn't just a little bit of money that I left for. It was sure. a substantial amount of money because this was 15 years ago. And it was $15,000 yeah. a, a year, you know. And he offered that. And I thought, if I was worth that, why weren't you paying me that this whole time? There's the rub. Right there. Yeah. And I think... And like I said, it was insulting. So it would made it that much easier. I knew I was leaving, you know, no matter what. But if you really feel like you're in a situation where you didn't really look for this other job and somebody came and they gave you this fantastic job offer, but you still kind of like your job offer, but boy, it's shiny yeah. out there. And then you go back and you give them your resignation and they're like, well, you know, why are you looking? And you say, well, it wasn't really looking, but this came up and they're going to do this, this, and this. And then they say, well, we'll do that for you. And you know, they will do that for you because a lot of employers are telling you they're going to do that and then they don't. And then you're still stuck. But if they say, yeah, we're going to do that, there's no reason for you not to stay. Interesting. That's, that's so funny because I've done a lot of research on this myself as well to you know prepare for this mm -hmm. conversation with you. And I ran across a gentleman who said, never take a counteroffer. And I thought it was like, that was a really, it's very defined, like, no, never, if you will. Yeah. And I can totally see in the first scenario that you describe, yeah, don't take a counteroffer because they'll mm -hmm. give you whatever, that money, you're going to feel terrible about not having been paid it the past two years. And then also those problems that are there are probably still there that are going to make you want to leave eventually. You'll be gone in six to nine months. Correct. But the other one, the, the one when you're happy, I really like that. And I think the one little thing to add on to that is that if you get one of those counter offers where it's, you know, I like where I am. I think people are treating me all right here. Get that in writing. If they say we will pay this to retain you, the, the next words out of your mouth will be, that's great. Can you get me that in writing? <laughs> Correct. Because honestly, it's just like an offer letter. Yeah. They're they're making you a new offer. That's a great way you to know, think about it. Because you were leaving. So put you know, put my request down and and what it what my new pay is going to be. And then sign it. Both people have to sign it. Because then you still have to go back to the other place to tell them you're not gonna be coming. Right. And it, to be perfectly honest, we always know that can happen as recruiters. When we make a job offer to somebody and they're gonna give notice we always know it can happen that though they could stay sure so is it common yeah it's not like a huge in your experience shock. honestly not anymore i i've kind of seen it probably 10 15 years ago it it wasn't uncommon which is so odd to me because it's so hard to find employees right. now that you think you would counter but i think employee employees can work right. anywhere so they keep, we don't have a job shortage right now. We have an employee shortage. So it is, and it's a very interesting kind of juxtaposition of, you know, usually people are looking for work and there's not work to be had. Now there's tons of work to be had and Correct. either because people are not paying the right way, you know, employers are not paying the right wage for it or the culture is not up to scratch. Folks don't want to go do that. And I think that there's a, a large segment of the business population in this country and, and worldwide too that doesn't quite get that yet. So <laughs> I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah, definitely been an interesting thing. All right. So final piece of the puzzle here, Barb. Yes. Managing your reputation post departure with your old company and your new company. Where do you kind of like draw the lines with your old coworkers, your managers, and then maybe even your your customers? And how do we keep like drama from being our new best friend as we transition? 
Yeah. It's hard because if you're friends with some of those people, you want to make sure you don't leave them in the lurch. So, but honestly, if you, if you have customers and you do have that non-compete and you feel loyal to the company that you're leaving, you need to tell that company, I need somebody to refer these customers to. So, because you know what happens a lot of times with customers, they end up with your personal cell phone. It's just what happens. I've got a few that have my number. I know that with my job. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And so then it's just like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You have to talk to so-and-so, especially because if you're at a company that's selling a different product, but it would work for them, you can be like, I would, you know, I would sell you this, but I'm non-competing. I, you know, so you have to talk to them. If you make the decision, you don't want to use them, you know, you can come back. We had... A gentleman who was the head of IT at one of the companies I was working at and we did set up a contract with him because there was just no way he gave us a month notice but there was just no way we were going to get everything from him that we needed because it was a lot of different divisions and different states and it was just a lot of moving parts but so then here was the thing that he needed to do with his current employer was make sure they were okay with that and it was something he only did on nights and weekends so okay. if people texted him from different you know places because they had his he was like you got to talk to them they would make him a list of things and then on a night or a weekend when he could fit it in and they paid him and they paid him quite well right and that's actually something i think a lot of folks don't quite get when it comes to departing a company and you want to be you want to be nice you want to be kind you want to be kind and be be a good person and and have people think highly of you but if your old company is asking you to do work that is formerly your job while you're at a new job you either need to set something up that says here's what that's going to cost you or you need to charge them just by the hour i mean i know for myself for companies i've been with my hourly rate is 150 bucks an hour if they want consulting and that's not me trying to gouge them or anything like that, but it's part of it is to make sure that they truly need it so that they'll, you know, pay that rate. A, it also benefits me, you know, <laughs> that's, that's part of it. Number one, it's, it's a nice little extra beer money for me, but the other part of it is to make sure that, you know, they're not just calling me willy nilly all the time. It's a, it's a slight deterrent. And if you set that rate at a certain level, you know, or come to an agreement that is that is equitable for both of you. It'll help keep companies from taking advantage of you. And I think that's a, that's a wonderful point that, that you've you've brought out there, Barb. Is is that you should have a plan leaving job A to go to job B in case job A comes calling again and wants you to help them because you shouldn't Correct. be doing it for free. <laughs> right, and for anyone who's not used to charging a contract, whatever you're. And I know most people are paid salary, but it's real easy if you're making 100000 a year, you just divide it by 2080 so you know what your hourly rate is and then multiply that by three. That should be your, you know, your consulting fee. Right. So if you were at 50 an hour, you charge 150 and Yeah. Because you have to pay taxes on it. Yes, so, you do. And you're not getting any benefit for it, and it's not that's not unreasonable at all. So. Yeah, and, that, and I think if you would have told me that two or three years ago, I would have said, Barb, that's nuts. 150 bucks an hour. Like if you're in a certain income bracket, mm-hmm. like that, that's wild. Like I, I can't make that. And it's like, I've had people pay me that. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. But it also, uh, protects me and insulates me and, 
And any other job seeker who, you know, has that specialized knowledge that that old employer might be seeking, they are certainly welcome to it, but they should be paying you for that, which is a very good point. Awesome. All right. Last little bit on this one, a little follow-up here. So if you left your company, like departure reasons, how do we, how do we prevent ourselves from kind of being drama queens, drama kings, whatever it might be, when people say, hey, Rob, why'd you leave? I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible. Sure. When you complain about someone that you used to work for, or you complain about someone you used to be married to, you look bad. Interesting. Okay. It's just, it is, or if you complain about someone you're, you are married to, because you picked that person, but it's just not, it's just not in your best interest to, to complain. The other thing that I'm going to say is when I am training a new employee and they constantly talk about, well, when we were at so-and-so, this is how we did it. Well, this is what, and it's like, well, then go back. You can say, in my experience, I tried it like this. Do you think that they would be willing for me to try it like this? Or, so, you know, something like that. Just stop you constantly using the name of that former um, sure. employer. But, yeah, you can, I mean, you can tell them it, I outgrew it. It just wasn't, you know. The thing is, when you started a new place, I remember I had a girlfriend that told me, for the first month after you started a new place, especially if it was a bigger company, because she went to NML, so it was huge. Oh, sure, you yeah. Know? And that's back in the day when everybody was going to NML, and you had lunches because they paid for your lunch, which maybe they still do. I don't know. I, th- I think they do. I think with that big Northwestern they, building downtown yeah. here in Milwaukee. So they were like still, she was like the first month, don't make any good friends. Because she said, what happens is the weirdos who don't have friends, those are the ones that are going to be attracted to you. So she's like, just sit by yourself and kind of check it, check it all out. Because you don't know who to trust. So maybe you're a week or two in and somebody's like, you think that they're, you know, and you start to say, well, I worked for so-and-so at this past company and this and this happened. And then they go tell everybody else, you know, you you don't want that. I mean, you're building this whole new relationship with this new company with all of these people. It's like, leave, leave that other one in the past. It's like when you go on a date, do you want to be talking about all your exes or are you just going to focus on that new person? Right. And wow, money advice there. <laughs> really? Like, <laughs> I love it. I think because that one month waiting period, because I'm sure there are people who are friendly and whether they are what we would call weird or not, you know, it, it, there are people who are friendly who will, who will seek out your companionship and that's great. But again, building that trust, finding out who's going to violate that for you, that takes longer than a couple, you know, a couple lunch, yeah. lunch hours together. And I think that that's a really great professional piece of advice for anybody at any age, especially if you're younger, like, wow. Oh we yeah. Have... Cause, cause you desperately want to make friends. Yeah. You start a new job. Right. You we desperately want people to like you. No, yeah, we so. want to belong. Mm-hmm. Got it. Exactly. Well, we've covered a yeah. ton of ground. I love how this episode kind of took shape and uh, <laughs> all about leaving an organization, kind of making that jump. And I think you've had some um, some wonderful insights here, Barb, really giving a lot of actionables or just really like nice little tidbits that are like, ooh, I did not know that or that's something I should remember the next time I shift a job. We're going to go into the final section of the, of the show here. And this was one we didn't have when, when you first were with us here. This oh, is uh, our quick fire. 
And there are, these questions are a bit rapid fire, but it doesn't mean that they have to be one word answers. Are you ready? Okay. Barb, what is the number one thing you think is wrong with the way that the modern job search works? The number one thing is that people apply for a job, they never hear anything. Or they interview for a job and they never hear anything. That's, I think that's the number one. Ghosting, 100%. I think that yes. that's a huge, the huge thing. The employers just leave them hanging. And I get so many people that are like, thank you so much for it. I'm like, well, isn't this what you do? It's just... Yeah. It shouldn't be as refreshing as it is when it happens that somebody Correct. follows up with you. I completely right. agree with you on that. All right, next one. What's the one thing you've seen with the modern job hunt that everyone doesn't do that they should be doing? My favorite thing to do is to tell somebody when they've found a job that they really like, go on your LinkedIn and see if you know anybody that works there. Or if you have a friend who has that second, you know, tier relationship mm -hmm. of somebody that works there so that you can talk to them because it's just nice. I mean, yeah, it would be nice if they would refer you in, but it's sure. also nice to see how long they've been there. What are they doing there? Why do they like it? You know, and just kind of pick their brain because you can think something's really good and it's not. Definitely. And I think the other part of that too is it's a lot easier to get an answer from somebody by pinging them on LinkedIn and kind of doing an, almost an informal chat too of, oh, exactly. hey, how are things at ABC Company? Like, I'm looking at working there. What can you tell me about it? You know, mm -hmm. or the other one that we, we picked up in the last, in our previous episode here was interview the people or talk look to link up with the people who have worked there very recently and have either left the organization or, or are on their way out. And, you know, why are you yeah. leaving? All these why things like that. Yeah. Great ways to pick their brain. All right. Last one, Barb. And this is, this one's always a little bit challenging. Number one LinkedIn tip. You do this really well. Oh, thank I you. I don't do it as well. But you are on there almost every day, if not every day, and you interact with people who make comments, and you also comment or like other people's posts. So, And I tell people this all the time when they're looking for a job, especially if you're if you don't have a job at all, mm -hmm. and you have your little, you know, I can be hired sticker up, and you're, because you pop up. So even if I'm not friends, you know, linked in with you, but you're linked in with somebody I'm linked, you know, all of yeah. a sudden I'll see your name and then I'll see that, you know, you're on there. So that's huge. Right. And it's, I think it's really funny you mentioned that because I've had, Ed, as we're recording this, just a few hours ago, I've had the most popular LinkedIn post I've ever had. It's five figures deep on reach right now. It's, wow. oh, it's tremendous. It's the second one in two days. I, you know, the first one I have is about 8,800 reach right now. This one is, was 10, 10, 400 before we started recording this, which is just wild. Crazy. It, it is. And it's unbelievable how you can reach people. And I think for just a, a quick sort of educational thing for, for maybe everybody here, maybe me codifying this a little bit more is something I saw that you can do with your LinkedIn is you can warm it up. And that's a really weird thing to think like, what do you mean warm up a social platform? So what I've been doing for the past couple of days is I open my LinkedIn 8 a.m. sharp local Milwaukee time here. And I find about six to eight different people whose posts I'm going to comment on. And I leave something between, you know, one and four sentences usually. And I follow those people. And hopefully there's people I've never, never met before. Maybe they're my good close friends like you, Barb, whatever it might be. But 
I try to make a mix of folks I know and folks I don't know, you know, continue to bring people into the, the network. And mm-hmm. then what I do is I make my post for the day and I try to make it somewhere around a thousand to 1200 characters. And then recently I've added a poll to it and I've not been a big fan of the poll tool. Cause I think it's like people have been using it for really dumb stuff lately. Like what color is the sky? Like <laughs> that doesn't help anybody get a job, but like, you know, I had one that today, which the, the question I asked was, is your work email attached to your phone? And I had a little story about how that was one of the worst decisions of my career to, yeah. you know, buckle in my email to this thing and have it being on my hip all the time, demanding my attention. And that has resonated with, with over 10,000 people now. And so Wow. Part of me is thinking, you know, there's a there's a way to create some content there for me, for you, for anybody who's listening here. Warm up the platform, six to eight posts on other folks' stuff. Make your post somewhere between a thousand and twelve hundred characters. Maybe add a poll. It's going to be one of those things where you can really get a lot more traction out of that. And I think your your tip there of just being on there and being willing to interact and comment mm-hmm. and and put the little emoji stuff on it too is yeah. really uh, goes hand in hand with that. Yeah. And if you're a creative and you're looking for a job in that, you know, have a Pinterest, have an Instagram and do the same thing on Instagram. Yes. That we business people are doing over on LinkedIn. Cause I see, you know, not that business people can't do that on Instagram as well. Cause they do. It's just right. a little different. Yeah. And I mean, I've gotten Insta for the show. I haven't used it, you know, that much lately because that mm-hmm. I know that my audience is primarily on LinkedIn, but you know, you can have an Instagram and oh, yeah. more than anything, it's a, it's a great showcase for me to be like, Hey, Rob kind of learned some graphic design this past year. Like that's kind of cool. So <laughs> Canva, here we go. I love Canva and everybody, everybody should learn Canva, but yeah. So Barb, it is the end of the show. And if folks wanted to find out a little bit more about you, what you're about, and uh, of course, follow you on social media, which they totally should, where would they look? LinkedIn. I do have a BW Executive Coach page, but I don't use it that much. I'm more just on my Barb Walla page. Instagram, Facebook, same name. And then I do have barbwallacoaching.com. That's my website. Got it. So you can see a little bit about me and my family and why I do what I do. And I just like helping people. I like That's helping awesome. people and make it and and people get overwhelmed when they don't understand things and I like to just simplify it. So cuz looking for a job can be a full-time job and if you're working and you have a family, you're like I can't be where I am but I don't have time to find something else. Right. So, one of the tips I would give you is to find a coach even if it's not me, but somebody to help you with your resume, help you if you haven't had a mock interview, you know, help you with those things, but also on the other end you can go to a headhunter firm. They'll look for jobs for you. They'll set, if you tell them exactly what you want, and they'll set you up with people. And that takes, you know, that searching out for you. It's kind of like having a realtor look for a house for you. you know? Got it. Okay, so that that's a great way to put headhunting in, in perspective. Yeah. yeah. Outstanding. I mean, there are irritating headhunters. Going oh, to they're irritating that. real estate agents too. You know? <laughs> like car salesmen and all those things. Yes. But if if you don't have time, boy, and and you can get somebody to help you, um, you know, make your resume look good, and they know what you want. Yeah, it's a it's a sweet deal if you're working a lot of hours. 
Definitely. And I think that that's a pretty good piece of advice right at the end there. If they know what you want, that's the big thing. You have to tell folks what you want. And I think, I believe you've mentioned to me at one point in time, that's one of the biggest challenges in being an executive or a career coach is you got to be really specific if you're the the job seeker to help Mm -hmm. your executive coach do their best job. So, or your your career coach do your best job. And I am not a headhunter in any way, shape or form, but Mm -hmm. because I know people who know people, I have the opportunity and I've done this with you too, you know, where I've been like, I think you should talk to this person because you wanted a podcast and you should talk to this person and just referring people to your podcast and different things like that. Like that referring, that doesn't cost me anything. Nobody pays me for it, but if I can help, you know. Sure. And I think that's the biggest thing about the job hunt is that it's, it's not necessarily a paid thing. And we, we know from what I was talking to you about before we started this recording, there's a lot of benefit that has been done out of this thing that I've been doing out of my, my, you know, spare, spare time and spare beer money to, to help a lot of folks. And it's, it's turned into quite the investment. So I'm so glad that you came back for another episode and uh, sat here in the hot seat down in recruiting hell again, Barb. Thanks again for, uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thanks for being a friend of the show. As we draw this episode to a close, remember you are worth more than your work. Your value to society is not dictated by what you do to pay your bills. Job hunting is difficult, no matter your age, gender, location, or background, and it's both acceptable and to your benefit to seek every bit of help in conquering this challenge. For more from Recruiting Hell, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player or our YouTube channel, and don't forget to leave a review of the show if your podcast platform allows it. It's tremendously helpful. Connect with Rob via LinkedIn, Be sure to visit recruiting-hell.com to subscribe to our newsletter. And of course, follow the show all across social media. Just look for the orange and blue flame logo. Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios and is proudly made in Wisconsin. Lastly, be sure to visit and support our sponsors. They make it possible to do this show and make it better every single week. Remember, your job hunt is a marathon, not a sprint. And Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace. Thanks for listening.